welcome to the Screamcast episode 167, only the second episode of 2018, uh, 19, see I can't even think, get the years right, because uh, it's been so long, uh, episode 167. How uh, long has it been? It's been since March. Hey, that long. Uh, a few months, so uh, welcome back everybody, we apologize for the delay, um, the South by Southwest episode, Brad, is, is lost in limbo. Um, it uh, it was a recorded episode that is forgotten, and um, <laughs> much like how I discover movies that are lost, someone's going to discover a lost <laughs> podcast episode, and it's going to get released on uh, something. I don't know. <laughs> Vinegar iTunes going to release. <laughs> Vinegar Syndrome coming 2030. Vinegar yeah, yeah. Syndrome iTunes uh, exclusive. Well, you 69. know, 99 for a slipcase. You know what we can do, Brad? We can actually yeah. just what you have recorded. We can actually put that up for our club scum members, the ones that have held on. The few club scum members that have held on, we can give that to them, and and because uh, they heard the uh, the pet cemetery in- interview. So, oh, look at that. Anyway, so we're back uh, again. Like this year is going to be spotty like this, and we do apologize. I uh, like I said, I'm embarking on my audiobook narration and voiceover career, so that's kind of taken off. I've done six books now, and then I have 11 more on the production schedule for this year. So uh, either I'm fucked or it's going to be awesome. So I don't know. So we'll see. Good Make to sure to review them on Goodreads, everybody. Yeah, please review them. And you know what? Come on. You know what? I'm just getting, I'm just getting used to this. And uh, one of you out there who will rename Nameless as of now uh, apparently has a pet peeve with breathing into the microphone so i'm just gonna breathe into the microphone and talk uh that's 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 for you um i need to i'm learning that you just don't read reviews unless they're and like there's a few people that can give you or listen to them like in a podcast don't listen yeah um yeah have your mom vet them for you yeah yeah. someone you trust so i do get (laughs) I, i do get there's a thing there's this crazy audiobook listening community that has like a full list in Excel um, of pet peeves and it all starts to contradict each other, everything. So it's like, <laughs> so uh, some people don't like when uh, a male narrator kind of does a girl voice, a female character in the book. They, I don't know, they don't want him to talk higher, but then there's people that don't want the per the guy narrator to talk like a man if he's talk if he's supposed to be a woman I, it all goes around well, I have in a circle pet peeve. so um, whatever when podcast movie podcasts talk about audiobooks i know god damn it i think i have to agree with that one mm-hmm. actually like i'm here i clicked I on something called the screen i know i know i know i'm, I'm just... listening to some nerd talk <laughs> i know <laughs> god damn it self-promotion uh I, that's the pet peeve is self-promotion anyway we're back is all i'm trying to say Brad. So it's a topic. So with me, uh, with me, of course, is Brad, Brad <laughs> Henderson and uh, 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 Stephanie Crawford. Crawford. There you <laughs> go. Okay. Good night, everybody. She should Enjoy be, the uh, soft express. That was my know. Jeff Goldblum. Uh, I'm so out of it with podcasting. I'm, I'm totally going to be a hot mess on this episode, so I apologize. But So, um, like usual, nothing's changed. Awesome. Good to know. Nothing's changed. No. I'm like coming home. So today we are going to do another kind of what's on your doorstep episode, which is kind of what we're going to be doing this year until we kind of uh, figure stuff out. Until I quit my day job and I can just, I can just do, you know, do this full time, podcast full time, a screamcast every day. 
Uh, we're gonna do what's on your doorstep, and I have a stack of movies in front of me. Brad has like a room full of Blu-rays. He's gonna be kind of going through stacks and stacks of Blu-rays, uh, and then Stephanie is uh, she is has here a stack as well. Don't you listen to Sean? I'm here. I'm done. Don't forget yeah. me, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty fucking funny. Oh my god. You suck, Sean. All right, so um, <laughs> let Stephanie go first. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Stephanie. Stephanie belongs up front and center. Yeah, Sean, you need to lie down. Okay. Man, why do I always talk myself into going first? <laughs> so, okay, my first movie is one I had zero familiarity with, oh. and it's a documentary called Mansfield. 6667. I've never heard of that. Oh, cool. I always feel way too proud of myself if Brad hasn't heard of it. Not so much you, Sean. <laughs> no, I'm I'm you'll see from my list today that I'm very, very vanilla. So it was released by Gunpowder and Sky, and oh. it's a documentary about Jane Mansfield. It mostly centers on the last years of her life. That's where the title 6667 comes from. And especially focuses on her relationship with Anton LaVey, oh. which is pretty notorious at the time when he was getting chummy with all the Hollywood glitterati back then. So if you don't know Jane Mansfield, you probably do. But she was a starlet. She, She's kind of... She's considered like the B-list Marilyn Monroe. And she did this great movie called uh, Will Success Spoil Rock Hunter, where she makes fun of her own reputation. She had a genius level IQ. She could play the violin almost like a virtuoso. Uh, but she played up the ditzy blonde, everything pink thing. So everyone underestimated her. Everyone picked on her. She had a pretty rough life for a beautiful young woman. And um, I, I knew a good amount about her because I'm a fan. But this is interesting because this opens up and it's like kind of a community theater thing. And they sing this weird song about Jane Mansfield and they do interpretive dance. And I was like, oh, God, no, I don't want to <laughs> see this. But then they start talking. Well, they, they talk to John Waters right off, who's the big Jane Mansfield fan. So I calmed down a little bit. So it's it's kind of an interesting format where it goes between talking to scholars and journalists, people like Dolly Reed from uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls and Peaches Christ and Kenneth Anger, Mary Wernoff, Tippi Hedren, which I'll get into more later, and Mammy van doren or mamie van doren and uh they use old clips and it's it's kind of a weird mix because sometimes i hated it and it eventually won me over it's very sensationalistic um it it really gets into the tabloid she was one of the biggest tabloid stars of the time um she she craved uh attention she was an exhibitionist um, and this, this kind of revels in that. And she eventually became a Satanist and that's why she got in with, uh, Anton LaVey. And 
it's very hard to describe this movie because they'll they'll show clips they'll have very intelligent people talking about her life and then they'll they'll switch over to dancers like recreating the car crash that killed her wow yeah it's pretty (laughs) strange but in the end i was completely drawn and it was pretty fascinating so uh the blu-ray is kind of terrible Uh, it has no extras the audio isn't very good and it has four subtitles you can't do anything about them but (laughs) (laughs) if you're interested in weird hollywood classic hollywood or if you have a passing interest in anyone involved um you can rent it online um Yeah, I ended up loving it, and I haven't seen anything like this in a very long time. It's pretty experimental, but it's fun. So, um, yeah, I really like this. Um, And there's a story in it. Uh, Anton LaVey had a lion as a pet, and he got, got it as a cub, and he raised it in his house in California. And they have a great a clip of his son nervously talking right in front of the line saying, it's not very loud. I'm used to it. And it's just behind going, Rawr! it's so weird. <laughs> so eventually the line gets too big to keep in a house. So what happens is it ends up with Tippy Hedren, who was famously took care of animals and she knew her shit and she had a great space for them. And that lion ended up in the movie Roar, which I just recently finally saw. I knew about its reputation, but I finally (laughs) saw it. Um, So Anton LaVey's lion is like one of the featured most aggressive lions in that film. And of course it is. Yeah. And uh, the oh, what was what was his name? Um, Togar, I think. And Togar and his mate had a cub not that long after. Um, But during that time, uh, Tippi Hedren was friends with William Blatley, who wrote The Exorcist. And as he was writing The Exorcist, he would send her chapters, like chapter by chapter. And it was such a great experience for her that she named the cub Bill after William Blatley. And she said herself, like, I love that I had Anton LaVey's lion. And then the baby was named after the author of The Exorcist. Mm. So those are just the kind of stories that documentaries filled with and eventually won me over. Love it. But Roar, I'll just go to that really quickly. So (laughs) um, you have um, a doctor who lives in Africa And you just have tigers and lions and giant cats just roaming a house open in Africa. And it's it's just very normal to them. There's uh, one man who's pretty nervous and he's he kind of represents the audience like, really, you really just let him wander around, knock you over. Um, I. Sorry, it's hard for me to talk about this movie because I was so tense during the whole thing. It's hard for me to believe it exists. Like when they um, brought it back out a couple of years ago, it had like a lot of big fanfare because not many people had seen it. It's so shocking. 
And right up front, it says none of the animals were harmed, which is really good. They tell you because everything in here is so real. People are sincerely getting knocked over. Uh, Tippi Hedren's daughter, Melanie Griffin, it's their real family in it because they're very comfortable with the animals. Uh, at one point, she had uh, her face scratched almost completely open. They don't put it in the film, but it happened. And so they're just kind of terrorized. Something happens and um, the animals start terrorizing in them and they're really getting knocked over. <laughs> they're really getting held down. They're really running and hiding from them. And it's the most tense movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but it's amazing. Yeah. And, and these two, I <laughs> I would recommend watching Mansfield 66, 67 roar together. That's a good They're very movie. unique movies. Yeah. Um, and um, yes. Jan de Bont uh, was the cinematographer. And it's really beautiful. Didn't, but uh, Didn't he get his like ha- hair ripped off or something like I think everyone got something ripped off <laughs> at some point. Broken yeah, fingers. Like. Everybody got injured. Or oh my god! Most, a lot of people got injured on the oh on god. the set. Oh my god! Yeah, but it's it's cool because as tense as it is, it it's so realistic because there'll there'll be moments <laughs> where you know lions are just crawling over people, and then they'll kind of have like a breather where they're still in the room with them, and they're all chilling, and you're like okay, I guess um, it's animal law right now and you're having a cool down period and then the tension ramps back up and it's it defies any normal film narrative. Uh, it's amazing. So yeah, I'm glad I finally checked it out. If you you haven't seen it yet, you have to. You have to. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. Um, Brad, would you like to go? Um, that's, that's, uh, hard to follow up. I, I guess that shows uh, over. Yeah, that's it. That's the, that's the episode one, whatever it is. And no one cares about numbers. Um, <clears throat> well, I've, I've seen quite a bit over the course of the, the past, um, th- th- three months or however long it's been, but, uh, I'll talk about an important film rather than something good or, you know, kind of more or less an iconic, iconic film that, that I've seen that um, kind of changed the way I view cinema in general. So this, I had like this huge epiphany um, while watching this movie. And honestly, I kind of re made me rethink everything, like my life, everything. <laughs> I got to watch uh, John Travolta's Gotti. John about John Gotti. Oh um, you were saying and, you couldn't follow me. I'm glad I didn't follow you. So, I um, I took the time to watch uh, John Gotti, uh, also known as Gotti, Gotti. Um, I heard uh, you know to, to 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 preface this conversation. Um. <laughs> The, the movie came out and um, critics kind of bat. Well, they did bash it. They bashed the film. So then like they reformulated all their trailers saying, put a hit out on the critics. <laughs> Would you rather listen to a troll behind a keyboard or listen to the fan fan base? And so people got really upset because that's what the trailer said. It said, you know, we're going to put a hit out on the critics. 
or you don't trust a, a, a troll behind a keyboard. I thought that was hilarious myself, um, which made me kind of want to see the movie even more. But, you know, I, I just really didn't have I, I hardly go to the theater anyway. So I'm definitely not going to waste my time to go see Gotti. Plus, it only lasted in theaters like a week. <clears throat> so it was like three ninety nine on Vudu, and I I, I, I bought it because it was for sale. Uh, I could rent it for four ninety nine or buy it for three ninety nine. So I think I made the right choice. Um, so one night I was just, just I was just basically I've been watching a lot of stuff that I normally wouldn't watch. Um, as far as like series and stuff like that, so popular series that I've never seen or one thing or the other. So, anyways, I put in Gotti. In the first five minutes, I'm blown away. Forget everything you know about how to make a movie. So Done. what does the, the, <laughs> this is written by Leo Rossi? Uh, Leo Rossi is a uh, older actor from kind of semi popular in the B movie B movies, probably in the eighties. He starred in Relentless. Uh, he was like in Relentless one and two. Uh, pretty much everybody will know him is he is in um, Halloween two. He is the guy that sings Amazing Grace. Come sit on my face. Um, he, he's the one that sings that in the, when they're in the break room. Um, gotcha. well, anyways, it's written by Leo Rossi. It's directed by Kevin Conley, who is E on uh, Entourage. <laughs> and stars, uh, of course, John Travolta and his wife, Kelly Preston, playing his wife, Miss Gotti, in the film. So already, this Oof. is like, this just setup is unbelievable to me. So I start watching the movie and I'm thinking I'm going to get like a biopic, you know, from from beginning to end about John Gotti. No, I don't. <laughs> Basically, this script was written as if somebody grabbed an autobiography that was written by Gotti himself. And they went through and they highlighted everything that they thought was badass. And then they just filmed those scenes and then put them in chronological order. <laughs> That's the movie we're dealing with here. We're like watching a highlight reel. This is the movie that sunk Movie Pass. <laughs> so we're, we're we're watching a movie of clips, <laughs> which is amazing to me because <laughs> I'm not a mafia enthusiast. I really don't know anything about the mafia so much. We have a so, mafia a history museum here in Vegas. If you ever I want to, I want to, I I want to learn because after the film's over, I was like, I gotta read. Like, how was this made? Well, number one, I found out it's made by the family. Um, they handpicked everybody. They were heavily involved in the production. Wait, wait, wait. Which family? The Gotti family. Okay. So it really wanted to focus on the good things about Gotti. And I didn't know this dude has a huge following uh, during uh, the mafia from in the 70s and 80s to when he was doing all his court stuff. And even still today, there are parties and street parties during his birthday to celebrate John Gotti because he made the neighborhood a safer place. Everybody has their opinions and it's fine. I don't have any thing against John Gotti. I really... I mean, he killed a couple people, mafia. Okay, whatever. The main focus is how amazing this movie is. Because it's so, it's put together in such a way 
that it's mind blowing because I really haven't seen anything like this because it's almost hilarious to the point where how much it's glorifying John Gotti, Mm -hmm. just even with the most mundane things. Needle drops (laughs) in the film. I feel that it's possibly they picked what John Gotti really liked, like his favorite songs, and then randomly threw them in the movie. Like at one point, John Gotti is uh, in court, and he is found not guilty, and he has this smug look on his face, and he does the John Gotti walk. (laughs) And then the bangles walk like an Egyptian (laughs) (laughs) while he strolls through the courtroom looking at everybody looking at the jurors, looking at the judge, to the point where he's walking outside. I'm like, all right, okay, fine, whatever. Then there's another crucial, quote-unquote, crucial part of the film, where there's a car bomb and some people die that's uh, some of Gotti's people. And then West End Girls, a pet shop boy, starts playing. And I'm like, what is, like, why is this music? Like, the the songs that are picked, why? But then this is what really threw me for a loop. And this is what solidifies this movie as the greatest movie ever made. Is that I don't care in a movie if the movie is uh, set in the 70s and then not in the movie itself, but you hear a song that came out at a later time. That's totally cool. You know? Right. But in the film, they're listening to music in the movie that hasn't come out yet. There is a sequence where they're having a street party and the cops try to come shut it down. And it's just this random scene. Like they're having a street party. John Gotti's like in the street and these cops come up and they're like, we're going to shut your block party down. He's like, you ain't shut nobody down. Blah. Let's turn up the music. Turn it up. And then Pitbull starts playing. And they all start dancing. <laughs> and the movie, like, or, then the scene ends. And I'm like, there's nothing happened. There didn't, nothing, nothing happened in this scene. It's like they're sitting around, hey, remember that time dad told the cops to fuck off during that, you know, street party? Yeah, write that down. That's how this movie was made. And it's amazing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, put a head out on the critics. Don't listen to trolls behind their keyboard. <laughs> listen to the fans. Gotti is a masterpiece in its own weird <laughs> fucking way. I enjoyed this movie so goddamn much because it took me till the end of the movie to find out what was actually really happening. Oh, so, they tell you? Uh, kind of. So it, it really, it made me read a lot of articles and some yeah uh, uh, some history I, I really wanted to read about it because i was so fascinated by this movie and it's it's i i don't know it, it's gonna be one of those things where this movie's gonna pop up in like you know uh one of these films that gets screened in 10 years for like some weird night that's what's going to happen to Gotti because people are going <laughs> to understand like how crazy this fucking movie is. You no, know, it was trying. It's already were... like a huge meme on Reddit and on <laughs> the movie forums. Like they're oh. crazy for Gotti. Of course, 
It's 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 so it's so good. I apparently it was so in de- developmental hell since like 2010. Yeah, Barry Levinson ooh. was like kind of directed and yeah, I was reading like all the different <laughs> and each year. Gotti family picked John Travolta. Wow, like I I don't think I would be able to work in a movie like that. You'd be scared to fucking death. <laughs> well, you'd be scared yeah. to say no to them. So, like, what do you do? Right. Yeah, and how well, much pressure is under the fucking screenwriter? And also, <laughs> Leo Rossi's in the film and plays kind of Gotti's right hand man. So I don't know, man. This movie is a is a, like a trashy fucking masterpiece. Awesome, but it's I had a lot of fun with it. So. Awesome. Follow that up, Sean. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, the first movie I'm going to talk about is uh, 2003's uh, a movie called Shredder. And it just came out on uh, Scorpion releasing, just released the Blu-ray of it. And uh, this is a movie that I've, you know, it's one of those in the early 2000s. I saw it in the, uh, like the Hollywood video, you know, and I, and I had never got around to renting it. And I forgot about it. And then Scorpion announced that they were... Uh, doing this special edition of Shredder, which is just such a, a weird movie <laughs> to pick up. When they announced so. that, I thought it was a kind of a joke. <laughs> well, and, yeah. um, I, had a double take. It, I, I was shocked that it was actually shot on film. Yeah. Because it's made during the early days of kind of that, uh, not mini DV, but uh, just kind of early digital days. Yeah, and I was shocked. I, I actually, because um, I, 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 I've owned it for the longest time. As MGM put it out mm-hmm. as well, it was the the, the first company to uh, to put it out. So it's like I, I feel like Scorpion did this deal with MGM because they have a lot of MGM titles recently. Well, yeah, yeah, MGM sold just <laughs> like selling everything off. But and it was like they have nine movies in this ten package deal, and then Walt's <laughs> just like, uh, oh. Shredder, yeah, <laughs> that's well, what it feels like. Yeah, it's a it's, fun movie. It's, it's a, a just a remake movie. of Ice. That's all. Yeah, it is. no, exactly, exactly. And it, you know, the funny thing is, when I first got it, I thought I was buying Iced. I thought I, I thought it was Iced, and then I we haven't gotten that lucky yet. Everyone underestimates Shredder, but we aren't lucky enough for Ice. <laughs> so I thought it was Iced, and then I looked, looked at the year. I was like, oh shit! And then I did some research, and I was like, yeah, this looks like my, this looks like a fun release, and. I want to support Scorpion, uh, so I, I picked it up. But yeah, it's it's a fun movie, man. It's a, it's a, you know, it's an early two thousand slasher shot on film, and you know where he this killer wants to kill snowboarders, and uh, death to snowboarders, <laughs> and it's pretty fun. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. Scorpion did a great job on their on their Blu-ray release. They have some fun, like their artwork. Uh, they're 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 taking notes, of course, from the other companies and. You know, they're trying to do their thing and but uh so well, it was just like a um a code red release the backlog murders with with cory uh cory hayne yeah and i'm like what, what the fuck are you guys doing like <laughs> if there's a resurgence of 2000 to 2003 generic <laughs> slashers i'm gonna get on that train because there's actually a lot of good ones that people just do not talk about or ever mention yeah does and, it have to be a slasher? Because what about Icebreaker with Sean Astin and Bruce Campbell? Okay, well, there are, like, here's the I, thing. I don't know if I've seen is that, that Icebreaker. Oh, it's fun. You people, should check people, it. trash, people trash the 90s and early 2000s quite a bit. And it, it was when there were, honestly, more movies were at the video stores just showing up on shelves and didn't go the theatrical experience. It was like the age of directed video stuff. I mean, we always had directed video stuff. But like this was just 
a bombardment. Wait, of, that, oh, of oh, movies. Oh my God, Icebreaker was Sean. This was Sean Astin, right? Sean That's Astin. what I just said. Yeah. Holy moly! And a bald Bruce Campbell as the villain. <laughs> yeah. So oh my God, why haven't I seen this? Yeah, amazing. But amazing. All, like all these movies came out, and like just no one paid attention at the time, and and they'll they'll slowly probably get rediscovered. But um, yeah, man, there's some there's some a lot of fun slashers. Yeah, like a lot of this fun go, slashers. This and goes, and, and everyone everyone kind of lumps them into you know Scream and um, you know I know what you did last summer those films, but I feel like Shredder. Well, they're definitely playing off the, the you know the huge success. I mean, yeah. these movies were being made. I don't know if Shredder necessarily was. I don't know if Shredder necessarily was. It was a rip off of ice. It's fucking ice. Yeah. I was at Goodwill the other day and just looking through, and I came upon Soul Survivors, which I hadn't thought about since it probably came out. I was like, oh, now that I found this, there's going to be a bunch of articles coming out. Like, I think we all slept on Soul Survivors, guys. Yeah, that unrated oh. version of that movie is fucking killer. Directed <laughs> by Stephen Carpenter, by the way, who did the Kindred and fucking the Dormant Blood and the Power. Okay. I called That's... it. Yeah, I'm glad he... this is documented. Yeah, fucking Soul Survivors with fucking what it was a West <laughs> Bentley, fucking Eliza Dutch. Like, no, I like that movie, and, it, and the PG-13 version is a lot different. Like it, the PG-13 version is not good. I saw the okay, unrated, so unrated version. I saw the unrated version, and I hated the ending so much. That's fine. You don't have to like everything, Sean. But he likes to be like you. But see, but I was I was younger and less informed yeah. with. Maybe but, I need to reevaluate. Also, here's here's the other thing: is like in a scale of, of two thousand to two thousand three slashers, that's more bottom tier. Like there's some stuff that's like some top tier shit, like the fucking pool. With fucking James McAvoy and Isla Fisher, a German slasher with American actors, dude, that shit is fucking. Fan? No, oh. <laughs> that oh, movie's okay. that movie's underrated though. Yeah, with fucking Jesse Bradford and uh, Christensen, whatever his name is. Like, no, Swim Fan is another one that needs like ultimate Blu-ray release by fucking I, some company that's willing yeah, to do it. I'd buy it. No, I like. I, I think I I think Swim Fan was fine. I I thought it was a fun like you know kind of riff off those you know stuff like the you know the the uh, the crush and the babysitter <laughs> and fear and shit like that. But anyways, all right. I'm sorry, Sean, that we hijacked your shedder. Uh, shedder. I know. Shitter. <laughs> shitter. Shitter. Um, Shredder's not a movie you can really wax, uh, you know, eloquent about Shredder. It's just a, it's an early 2000s slasher film that was a, a lot of fun, and I knew Brad would have some. Not going to wax its it. board. Sorry, I'm not making it any better. Wax this board now, or death to snowboarders. Do you wax what? snowboards, or is it just surfboards? Wait, is that is that uh, no? Yay. All right. Ah, yeah. Making an appearance. Yeah, they're 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 watching the American Idol. They're catching up on American Idol. He just told I me that, they were that, watching that lane. Shredder. He just told me that hey, lane kids. that lane one. I'm like, yeah, I know. That was like Daddy, a month ago. Daddy says watch Shredder or Death to Snowboarders. All right. Stephanie, what you get? Oh, okay. Um, my is from and a huge, huge, I'm embarrassed to actually say this, but I'm going to be honest. One I've been wanting to see for years, and it's Eyes of Laura Mars. 
Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, the the new Mill Creek release finally kicked me in the butt to see it. And <laughs> I'm as embarrassed that it took me this long as I am happy uh, that I finally got around to it. I'm pretty I've, sure that's I've, underseen I've by quite a, quite a few I've people. Never seen it. Yeah. Oh, I've seen I a poster. Better. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, okay. continue. You're not <laughs> yeah, alone. So You're not alone. So huge names behind it. You have uh, directed by Irvin Kirshner. I always know him from Star Wars, but he's done so much. And it's uh, co-written by John Carpenter. That's the big name people are really attracted to. So you have Faye Dunaway, and she's a model. And she has a pretty lovely, glamorous life in New York City. And suddenly... um, or no, I'm sorry. She's a photographer. She, <laughs> that was me being shallow. She's so beautiful. I automatically went to mom. She's a photographer. And she's famous for doing really violent, complex set pieces in her photography. And she's incredibly successful, but also incredibly controversial. And there's a grisly murder on the night of the opening of her big show. And kind of like another movie I saw recently, um, Lucio Fulci's The Psychic, she she kind of sees through the killer's eyes and she's able to see the murders and it becomes a pattern and they're all connected to her in some way. And she meets up with uh, Tommy Lee Jones, who's the cop, and it's almost like a, a romantic comedy meet cute with them, but in the middle of a murder mystery. Uh, they clash and then they end up softening towards each other. But it's it's really sexy. And it's really smart, but it it's pretty grisly. It has um, an amazing car crash scene, like maybe one of the best I've ever seen. And it has a young Brad Dorif who just pops up. The everything is perfect, and I was expecting to kind of like it, like. Uh, play Misty for me, the Clint Eastwood movie. I was expecting something like that, which while I enjoyed it, I thought it was pretty soap operatic. Um, but this one, it, it's like a very sexy adult murder mystery, Ooh. but it's a hell of a lot of fun. It's not cold or detached or anything. It pulls you in. And Faye Dunaway is incredible in it. Um, so I, I'm just super, super happy I was finally able to see it. Awesome. Yeah, so it's, it, a, it's a fun little movie. Yeah, no, if, if it's something you've heard about but haven't got to now, Mill Creek released it, so it's super cheap. And I, oh, it's gorgeous too. It's, um, I saw a few people refer to it as an American Giallo, and I can completely see that both with the plot and it's beautiful. Uh, so, yeah, huge fan. Wow, it's only like nine bucks. Yes, Sean, some excuses. Mill Creek's been kind of killing it lately. In a way, I'm I'm surprised. Like with the releases, they've you know, they're still like bare bones, kind of sort of. But I mean, they they're releasing some good titles. Yeah, a lot of things other people haven't bothered. Hmm. Do you like uh, Neighbors recently? I, I like that was a weird one, but I I'm happy I finally saw it with a uh, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. Have you guys seen that one? Which one? What is it? Neighbors. 
Um, I think no. you you talked about that not too long ago with me, and I bought it, but I just haven't watched it yet. Yeah, it's almost uh, it's a little bit like nothing but trouble, where it's gonna put a lot of people off because they mix absurd horror elements with a comedy <laughs> and they don't balance it out quite as well as you would hope but it's so fascinating and it takes such weird chances it's it's worth seeing um but yeah dan Aykroyd plays against type he's like bleach blonde psychopath punk rocker and john <laughs> belushi is the straight lace guy and like the tweed and the glasses it's a really interesting dynamic Oh, I'll have to check that one out too. Brad? Oh, hey, Sean. How are you? <laughs> have you seen Gaudi yet? I mean, uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, quite a bit, quite a bit has happened again. Um, so, there's uh, a few, obviously, I want to talk about, but it's like, what do I feel most, most inclined to talk about? So, um, I watched a movie by the director of uh, Thanks Killing, one and three. Um, it was really surprising uh, for his for his uh, new film called uh, The Headhunter. Oh and, yeah, uh, it's it's not like Thanks Killing whatsoever. Uh, Thanks Killing is about a turkey that kills people and says a lot of one liners. They're not even long feature films. They're just, I think the first one's like 50 minutes or something like that. But anyways, so Headhunters, again, he, he makes like these really clean and smooth uh, movies. I actually like Thanksgiving movies. But he did this uh, movie called uh, The Headhunter. Or is it just called Headhunter? One or the other. If you find, if you look up uh, The Headhunter, I'm sure you'll find it. So, um it is about this uh, Viking who lives up in kind of a cabin away from everything. Um, and throughout the film, he is called, uh, you hear like this horn um, that goes off and he gets his gear on and he goes to wherever it may be, but he comes back with the head of a monster. Mm. So this is this guy's job is that he when he's like summoned by a nearby town or, you know, um, you know, outpost or whatever it may be. I don't know what they call him, but he goes to th these places and fights a monster. Uh, he also has uh, this concoction that he kind of makes that helps him heal as well. So he'll get into these vicious battles. And a lot of this is off screen because due to very constraints. I mean, this movie is made for like 20 grand. And it looks like, you know, a $10 million movie aside from um, kind of these huge battles that he's going to. So uh, you slowly find out that he has a grave by his house and he's actually not. This isn't his job. He's searching for a monster that took away something that was important to him. So that's what he's doing is he's hunting uh, the monster that hurt him most. And once it gets going about 45 minutes in, it gets a little crazy. 
And that's when kind of it kicks it up in high gear and it becomes really suspenseful. Um, it's very, very well done. The special effects, the, the monster creature uh, is really great. Um, and it's just a really fast paced, but takes its time with you um, kind of action horror film. And it was really impressive because I think I forget what the budget was. It was extremely low. But when you look at this film, it's shot beautifully. It looks scored like everything is just perfect for the, the sound design is wonderful. It was um, like 30,000, I think, was the budget. 30, yeah. yeah. This movie, you like if you would have told me that, I yeah, I felt like this was like a Shane Shane Abbas movie, if if people know who Shane Abbas is. Like he <laughs> take his stretch dollar to make a fucking yeah. sci-fi movie. Yeah. Um but it, it's amazing utilizing their their time and money. Uh, with something that, like this because it feels like this this is this it feels also bigger because i guess they are also covering up a lot of stuff secret you know not secrecy but uh, keeping a lot of things off screen but it also makes it feel bigger that way i think it's a trick but it, it works perfectly it's not like they're cop now they honestly probably couldn't afford you know six fucking monster battles they just show the fucking severed heads but um, yeah, it's it's a really great movie. It's a great uh, kind of character piece. Um, it's uh, literally one actor the entire time. I don't believe anybody else is in the movie, um, aside from the monsters. But uh, yeah, it's it's a hell of a movie and and definitely one to 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 rent. Um, I don't believe it's getting a uh, physical release at all, um, as far as I know. So this is kind of like a streaming only. I'm. Hopefully it hits Netflix because I know that's when people will actually watch it because people don't like to pay for things. Um, <laughs> I heard that. But, uh, but it's, it's the truth. It's kind of a market that it's it's going to. It has to show up on Amazon Prime or Netflix for people to watch it or shutter yeah. um, because they pay for the. But it's fine. I mean, I understand money. You know, money's not you just can spend a ton of money. But I hopefully it comes can, on. A uh, you can rent it on uh, Prime Video and I believe on Vudu. And you can actually buy it. Um, Digitally it should, as well. Yeah, it should be relatively cheap to rent. Um, yeah, hopefully, bucks. it gets a streaming service that's uh, you know uh, for for people because I know how people are, and it's fine. I'm not judging. It's just that's kind of like how the market works right now. Um, like, um, so yeah, Lionsgate. Lionsgate picked it up and they just dumped it to DVD, which is surprising. Because normally, Lionsgate gives the shittiest movies Blu-rays. Um, you know, Escape Plan Two on Blu-ray. Escape Plan Three on Blu-ray. Headhunter. Ah. Wow. Fucking Lionsgate. Well, those also, those movies also have uh already are grounded though. Like this. Well, yeah, movie this just... one doesn't have like an aged actor that's you know like Bruce Willis coming in to collect the paycheck. Jesus, I'm just trying to yeah, talk. Yeah, you're. Who you're throwing? Yeah. <laughs> God. But anyways, watch Headhunter. It's really good. Awesome. Yeah, I've heard about this one. I've, I know it had been screening at uh, at film festivals, and I've been he hearing about it. And uh, you know, a lot of people complaining, oh, don't see all the monsters. But I love like minimalist type movies like this. That and the, I mean, the costume design itself looks amazing. So I'm I'm in it just for the it, costume. It's a beautiful movie too, man. The, the money's definitely spent in like that production value awesome. for sure. Speaking of uh, movies that paid for production value. This next film I'm going to talk about is a sequel to a long-running series. It's actually the follow-up to the first in the series. It's called Leprechaun Returns. Wow. 
Do you guys remember when MC Hammer became the funky headhunter? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. We don't want to talk about Leprechaun. So I'm not. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I do remember that album because that was when <laughs> MC Hammer was like, I'm all hard now. I'm a headhunter. And uh, he tried to, he tried to cash in on the gangster rap, but he, you know, parachute pants, Hammer. That's your that's your uh, M.O. Um. So Leprechaun Returns is basically like a follow up, I think, to the original Leprechaun. I, yeah. I don't, I've in different states of sobriety have seen the entire Leprechaun series, <clears throat> but I don't remember any of them. Not I don't care. They're they've always just been these kind of goofy little fast food uh, movie meals for me to watch and have fun with. Uh, Warwick Davis as the Leprechaun is always is always great. So I was a little bit worried that this new guy coming in uh would not kind of fill those those shoes he does a pretty good job he's pretty fun um i'm trying to find his name here but i can't is it I can't, the oh, same Lyndon Porco. guy did he do the origins no that's the wrestler guy okay i never saw you know what i never saw leprechaun origins i heard it's just awful but um so anyway but it was it it stuck with the uh with the the feel of the Leprechaun films. It's ultra gory, a lot of fun, creative kills. He does his little rhymes when he murders someone. And uh, the storyline is basically uh, one of the, one of the girls is the daughter to, I, I want to say Jennifer Aniston's character, but I I was going to guess that because she's Um, the only thing most people know about this series. Yeah. So, uh, Leprechaun comes back. These sorority girls are doing some sort of eco-friendly project, apparently, and she's kind of new to the project. And uh, and of course, he wants his gold that's supposed to be on the property. And they, of course, took it in some of it in to help pay for some of the equipment uh, into town. And so everyone, you know, gets brutally murdered. Um, so there's some really fun gore. Uh, I had just had a lot of fun with it, and it's directed by Stephen uh, uh, Stephen Kostansky, who uh, of course from the Void and you know, um, our, our friends. Astron 6, man. Astron 6. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so it's fun. Uh, I was surprised. I saw it was sci-fi, so I was like, oh, shoot. You know, it's not going to be, not going to have the fun gore, but they, sci-fi knows what's up. They, they put it all in there. And uh, I would say, people have been shitting on this film. I would say it's, I mean, wh- what does everyone think that the Leprechaun series is? Like, this is just fun little escapism gore and uh, some comedy so i had fun with it have you guys any of you guys seen this this newest leprechaun film um yeah i saw it a couple not a couple years ago but a little while ago i saw I, it five years well, ago before it was made and i got like this pre-screening <laughs> well i saw it for a festival, festival sean but thank you <laughs> um <clears throat> uh, screen screened it for a festival but yeah it's actually one of the reasons why I watched the first Leprechaun not too long ago. Because nice. um, I, I bought that set, but I, I remember seeing Leprechaun when I was younger. But I don't remember anything about it. So I rewatched that so I could watch this one because I know it was a sequel. It's fine. I, I had fun fun with it. I mean, um, I don't really. Then I watched, I think, the second one, whatever, which one's in Vegas. I watched that one. I think that's um, the third one. Oh my God. What's the second one? I could be wrong. I I have no idea. This is not a series. They all run together. All I know is he goes to the hood and he goes to the base at some point. And he goes back to the hood, bro. Hell yeah, he does. 
Never forget that. Does he um, go back to space or just back to the hood? Just back, back to, the, to hood. the hood. Okay. Yeah, Vegas Two. is the third one. I think that's the last one I saw, and it was actually one of the first horror movies I saw when I started <laughs> sneaking them on Cinemax. That's a weird movie to see when you're pretty brand new to horror movies. <laughs> What is number two? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't remember anything about that movie, but yeah, I remember watching it. It takes place in like the woods and stuff. Yeah, those movies are tough, man. I think I stopped at three and I watched Origins. So. Yeah, the little fans, though. I remember uh, like year, like 10 years ago, someone worked really hard to make a fan trailer of Leprechaun versus Chucky. <laughs> we thought we still need that movie. Got a new Chucky movie out. Leprechaun's yeah. still going. I mean, I think I think the people that like the Leprechaun movies are people that really like Trauma and Full Moon. <laughs> like this the is, diagram is because I, well, I like old Full Moon and Empire. I'm not really yeah. a. <clears throat> The new Bonganator or whatever the hell. I'm I'm Puppet Master Bongzilla. I would see Um, Bongzilla. If it has Zilla in it, I'll see it. Is that not someone that's called Bongzilla? I don't. Tales from the Bong. Who knows? The Ginger Ginger Dead Man. I saw Ginger. I saw. I've seen Ginger Dead Man. No, the second one is good. It's at a roller disco, and the cast (laughs) is like eighty percent drag queens. That that's a good one. Fantastic. Actually, that's what I compared the because I saw Child's Play uh, today, and um, I compared it to like if Moonbeam and Full Moon had a lot of money to make a movie now. That's what it feels like. Okay, but that and people comparing it to Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two kind of makes me want to see it now. Um, it's not compared to Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. It's reminiscent. No, no, no. There's a long, long scene of them watching. Oh. Massacre 2. And Chucky gets inspired by it. (laughs) It's cheating, but okay. What's funny about the the new uh, Child's Play is, for some reason, that robot had, like, a kill switch. Like, Like that they had to to disable. (laughs) (laughs) I is your problem. Do they explain the kill. kill switch? Do they explain why he has a kill switch? Was he like upgraded military tech that they just turned into a toy or what? Are you being it's serious? It's called spoiler. Spoilers, everybody. It's no, a, he's a robot in this one. He's like a. All like right. A, all right. It's not, it's not a spoiler. No, no. Relax. I'll, I'll review Chucky real quick. Uh, or Child's <laughs> Play. New Child's Play. It's fine. It's actually a fun movie. Uh, there's. Um, there are a couple things that are wonky, but there's a lot of comedy. Um, it's totally not, uh, feels like a Chucky movie at all. It's a complete reboot. There are some callbacks to the originals as far as like dialogue and names and, and things like that. But for the most part, it stand on, stands on its own and it's an animatronic, uh, pretty much all practical effects aside from a couple things when they move really fast. Um, but it's, it's gory. It's, it's funny. It's weird. Um, I, I kind of felt like it didn't like, I should have been like direct to video. That's kind of, kind of feel that I had. It felt like I was watching something. I shouldn't be in the theater, you know, like, 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 like Leprechaun Returns. No, honestly, (laughs) um, 
I know that people are going to be shocked when I say this, but at the time that I saw it, um, when I saw Mad Max Fury Road, um, I walked out of the theater. I'm like, oh, my God, what the fuck did I just see? Like, I, I just saw this amazing movie, but I don't feel like it. I don't feel like people are ready for this. You know, like, how did this get in the theaters? Oh, like, are scared pe- me. Are people I really going to go out ready of to... the movie? Oh. oh, no, no, no. I was like, <laughs> are, are people ready to actually fucking see Mad Max Fury Road? And I, it was not saying that Chucky's Mad Max Fury Road, <laughs> but I, I just have that, like, like oh, my God. Like, I, I just saw this new child. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen a child's play movie in a theater to begin with. Um, you know, I, I guess Seed was the last uh, one that I've seen. Um, but it, it just, it, it felt, it felt weird watching a child's play movie. That's not child's play at the same time. Um, but it's fine. I, I just think the, uh, my only beef with it is something that's non-spoiler really, uh, at all. It's uh, Chucky's head's too big <laughs> and eyes are too big. I think they Generally. needed to tone it. Yeah. I think they needed to tone it down a little bit because, uh, Chucky can never be scary because he's just this big headed doll that looks goofy. Hmm. Um, that makes sense because that's one of the reasons why we want to protect babies is because they have like giant heads and their features <laughs> are exaggerated. Did you feel protective towards Chucky in this movie, Brad? Uh, like, they they do because you kind of feel because it, it's 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 set up to the point where Chuck. I mean, Chucky's not a serial killer. He, you know, oh, yeah. in, in Child's Play, he's a serial killer right off the bat. This doll learns, so it's a lot different. Hmm. So, um, how'd you feel morally seeing it with all like the behind the scenes drama? <laughs> What's the behind the scenes drama? Well, you know, with like Don Mancini doing the TV show instead of this, and oh. But, Saying not saying basically that it's not the real Chucky. Yeah, who cares? Uh, I, I, yeah, I'd a lot of people, it. honestly. I mean, I understand if you don't. Well, I know. But... I, it boggles my mind. It boggles, <laughs> it boggles my mind. Is that I have I rarely scroll through Twitter because people have those arguments and discussions, and I just find it silly. Like, let movies be made how they want to be made. If I know Don Man, I've heard Don Mancini's kind of doing his own thing. I've heard. Like, I remember, like, a long time ago, there was, like, not my Chucky or something. I don't care. <laughs> I'll, I'll, here's the thing. Is Don Mancini can do it or somebody else? I'll always be there for for Chucky. Yeah. And <laughs> same That's how as, like, any horror remake, I'll be there for it. You know, I don't give a shit. I'm going to watch every movie anyway. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm going to support everything because that's what I love. You know, I, I I really see a huge backlash coming with this one, though, just because of how different it is with Chucky in general. But it has a lot of cool moments, though. It's it's uh, pretty gory and has it's 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 fun. You know, might watch it one more time and then I'll be done. I mean, it's not any it's not bright at Chucky. Did you like Hamill's voice in it? And nothing is Brad Chucky. That's a perfect movie. Um. So, yeah, I thought that was a waste for Hamill because I really feel that nothing actually happened with Chucky. There's no laugh. There's no 
iconic voice. It doesn't really feel. Uh, they could have picked anybody. Like Hamill serves no purpose as as far as a voice actor is concerned. Yeah. They could have hired. They could have hired anybody because he, he doesn't got, do anything special. Yeah, he got brought in. He he turned that around pretty quick too, I believe. Uh, it, that's what it feels like, and also the score doesn't feel like it belongs either because it's way too good. All right, was mm-hmm. that was that your turn, Brad? No. <laughs> Stephanie's next, and then I go. Oh yeah, <clears throat> Stephanie. <laughs> got confused. Yeah, that's great. Well, no, I, I, I was like, I was like trying to get like reset. Like, wait a minute, where are we in our rotation? So Stephanie. Well, I'll I'll wrap up my part then because I can see I'm not wanted. Oh, stop! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, Brad is pretty classy so I'm not sure if he's going to bring up vinegar syndrome at all but they recently had their halfway to Black Friday sale which I always indulge in and so mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun and I have not had a time to dive into I haven't even been able to see Night Beast yet and that's all anyone can talk about <laughs> uh, but I, I was finally able to see Death Row Game Show which nice. I have almost bought since my very first order in like 2016. And for some reason, I keep not getting it. But I had no one told me it was like kind of spoofy Kentucky Fried movie kind of goofy madness because that would have got me immediately. Did you not listen uh, to our episode talking about uh, Death Row Game no, Show? No, I hate what? this show. Oh my god. Now, why does she want to listen to fucking white dudes talk about fucking Death Row Game Show? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Come on, man. Did the host not look That's like Tom Cruise? Night, I'm on a time host, on this planet. Did the host not look like Tom Cruise? Like, I imagine like... No, if they... his hair did, but not his oh, face at all. Okay, well, alright. But... Um, the first new one I, I watched I was dying for is, can, can you guess? We'll, we'll see. Oh, um, guess. Uh, Lust in the Dust. Yeah, Brad. Lust knows. for Freedom. Lust for Freedom. Did I win something? I no. bought it. I haven't oh. gotten to it yet. Okay. Um, yeah, because, you know, of course I worship Divine, but I'm also a really big Paul Bartel fan. And that this seems like a match made in heaven. And um, so D- Divine reunites with Tab Hunter. Of course, she's so memorable with in polyester. But I didn't know. I was watching the extras. I didn't know Tab Hunter. This was like his idea. And he was a producer. And that makes me so happy. So this is also it's it's a spoof of Westerns. And it's, you know, Divine is playing the ingenue role. And um, it, there's kind of a finding gold subplot, but you know, it's just a situation just for funny sex jokes and everything. And it, it's a blast if you enjoy things like, you know, there's goofers like Death or Game Show and Psychos in Love and um, even more campy things and more queer kind of movies. Um, I, Less Than the Dust is amazing. And I've never seen Divine without John Waters before. And um, I I just wish his life wasn't cut short as early as it was, because I really think uh, he was a comedic genius. So that was a lot of fun. (laughs) But I'm still going, Sean. Is that making you angry? No. 
Yeah, it feels like he's getting really angry over there. <laughs> I know. I can tell from your breathing. Yeah, I can hear you breathe. Shut up. <laughs> you cannot hear me breathe. So it's kind of he's funny. Like holding his breath. Sean passed out during the show. We're talking about early 2000 horror movies before. Because I finally saw the remake of House of Wax. Oh, so good. What did you think? So I was, I, you know, I remember when it came out, all, all anyone talked about was Paris Hilton. (laughs) And it even had an MTV reality show connected to it, showing the making of it. And it's actually, I looked it up. The whole thing's on YouTube if you want to see it. <laughs> and it's so friggin' weird because um, you see Joel Silver trying to explain to Paris Hilton why she can't dress as herself in the movie. So it'd be like, no, no, <laughs> you, have, you have to wear sweats. You have like a hip hop girl. And she's like, uh, and then I'll cut to her in the interview. It's like, eventually I understand that she shouldn't dress like me and that was really good for me I was like okay but at this age I kind of love that at the time I was really snooty about Paris Hilton yeah. but now I, I found it really endearing uh, but yeah it it got pressed because of that and at the time like the slashers were getting churned out and they slashers had never had a good reputation but it seemed especially shitty because um, not cool fans like Brad and Sean, but like the elitist angry fans. Um, there wasn't like a celebration that there was a lot of bigger budget horror being made. It was more derisive, like it's too mainstream. It's too glossy. And sometimes that was true, but House of Wax was so freaking good. And I was so angry that I, I bought into it. It's my own fault, but it's beautiful. And it's super like the like the cutscenes and some of just the shots are fucking amazing. The split of the faces with yeah. the wax with the brothers. Oh my God. It's brutal. And a lot of it's so it's good. heartbreaking. Because the camera is right there and the effects are so wonderful that you can actually feel the pain. Plus, they actually spend the time building up all the characters. They're not just like pretty fodder. Uh, they they take their time letting you follow them through. Um, so it's kind of like their car breaks down. They end up in a weird little town. They split up to try to find a car part, try to get some help. Um, and they find this ornate... Um, wax museum and it's a dark castle film and you can say what you want about the dark castle films but they are great at like house on haunted hill that house they look beautiful yeah it just it's it just sears itself into your brain immediately it looks fantastic and um if you've seen the original It's pretty much the same plot, but it really makes its own. It expands upon it. It uses the entire town. And I I assumed I would see every beat coming, and I didn't. And it was so fun. It was genuinely scary. And the finale. It was amazing. amazing. It really, truly is. Um, Yeah. So I'm sure there's a lot of people who are like, duh, of course, but. 
if you're kind of like me <laughs> and you you let just the stupid, meaningless stuff kind of keep you from seeing it. It really did. MTV and Paris Hilton. I mean, uh, Paris Hilton's fine in the movie. She doesn't do anything wrong. I think she's, oh, no, yeah, you know, that's the thing. She's just like she's a, completely a regular serviceable. Yeah, like nothing's wrong with her being in it. But that's what killed that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Like during its release. I mean, it made money, but it was it's still rejected because people immediately bring that up. And I'm like, no, this movie's number one, beautiful. It's really good. And if you ever want to watch a remake of Tourist Trap, here you go. Because <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Essentially it's a remake of Tourist. I don't even think they remade House of Wax. They remade fucking Tourist Trap. <clears throat> this wax but, museum, anyway. Raz. The house was wax museum. <laughs> they they took the wax concept and put it in tourist trap. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, it's 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 almost like like kind of, there's a lot of beat for beat for uh tourist trap remake. But anyways, um yeah, it's it's it either or it's still one of my favorite, like at the time. I mean, now it's what fucking like you know, 15 years old, but um still a wonderful modern slasher even after all this shit of all these slashers being poured out like that was one of the ones that i remember sitting in the theater like oh my god like this is really fucking good like you know but i i think a lot of those dark castle movies are overlooked um you know ghost ship 13 ghosts uh house on haunted hills still one of my favorites um, I think a lot of those are good. And I, you know, something that I skipped over because it was ruined for me, the ending, and I watched it not too long ago, but Orphan, that was fucking oh, good. Yeah, Orphan's awesome. Orphan kicks ass. I love Orphan. Yeah, I was like, I, it was ruined for me because I knew the <laughs> ending. And then I always heard it was Justin Bieber's favorite movie of all time. <laughs> what? Of all time? It is. Well, he hasn't yeah, lived apparently, that long, so it's okay. Apparently it could be his favorite movie of all time. So I heard that, and I just, I always just, I mean, mainly because it was spoiled for me, I just didn't, I just didn't get around to seeing it, and then um, it was like a Big Lots or something, it was like in the dollar bin, and I was like, oh yeah, sure, whatever, and I watched it, I'm like, fuck, this is good, like, this is a really good movie, it's weird, you know, it's fucking very uncomfortable, but it's also kind of scary, but um, yeah, did someone just turn on their camera? What? Um, I was disconnected, and it chose my camera. I don't know why. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry, Sean. Go. You have to do a little editing. Um, yeah, it's still recording, so we're good. Yeah, we're fine. Um, all right. I might not even edit. I don't so have time to edit. Thirteen. No, you don't. You don't need to. That was fun. <laughs> I don't know. Ghosts. Like, thirteen ghosts should be great. It's the the ghosts are incredible that glass house yeah i don't even know how they use that in filming it's brilliant but it's one of the worst scripts the dialogue is terrible <laughs> i don't like any of the characters and it's such a frustrating movie for me uh ghost ship i need to rewatch it actually came on a three pack um i love house on haunted hill i i'll all day oh, long no. ghost ship one of the best openings to a movie a horror movie i love it and I feel like the rest of it wasn't very memorable, but I do need to see it again. So Definitely yeah, Dark Castle is such a mixed bag for me. Mm. Yeah, they did. Um, they did a few. They also had. Um, I mean, the Return to House on Haunted Hill, which was okay. I didn't mind that movie I actually. Didn't like it. <laughs> um, 
uh, Whiteout, the Kate Beckinsale slasher. That was yeah. um, that was kind of fun too. Was it? All I heard was terrible things. All Not I heard was Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. So well, they sold. also had uh, they also had um, fucking Hills Run Red, which was fucking good too. That always gets overlooked. I love Hills. Yeah, Hills on Red's awesome. Yeah, I love that movie. That's by the guy that directed, I think, uh, The Dead Hate the Living, which is another kind of underrated movie. But anyways, now we're just talking. I've seen that movie so many times. All right. The Dead Hate the Living. And co-written by David J. Scow. All right, Brad. Writers. Brad, is your Yeah. We kind of gave you extra time. I don't know. I should skip you. Uh, Well, I'll talk about a very frustrating movie um, that I really wanted to like because I really enjoyed the first like 45 minutes of this movie. So I watched um, Greta, which okay. is uh, directed by, um, can't think of his name, uh, Neil um, Crying Game. Um, oh, yeah, I've been wanting to watch that. Actually, I've heard mixed things about no, it. Greta. Neil, Neil Jordan. Not Neil <laughs> yeah, Jordan. that's Neil, it. Neil Jordan, <laughs> right? I think that's it. So <laughs> um, Greta is a great setup. The actors are all fucking great through the entire thing. Um, and mainly it's, it, it revolves around three, three, three women, um, the older lady Greta, and then the two young teens, which is um, uh, Chloe. Uh, Grace uh, Moretz. Moretz. Yeah. Chloe Moretz. And then uh, uh, is it McKay Monroe? Yeah. Is it so McKay or Micah? From- Micah Monroe. All I know is. Sure. Uh, she's in it follows and independence day too and she's great she's she's always fabulous she's in the movie villains that's coming out apparently got picked up that steph really liked um so uh like the the setup for for greta is great it's uh this you know kind of a waitress um living with her friend who kind of has a silver spoon who's handed everything over their friend like a chicago new york i can't really remember uh big city and uh, she finds this bag on a subway, and then she has the kindness to actually not to take anything and go um, go return the bag. And there she meets this old woman, Greta, and they start kind of a relationship. And her mom, uh, Chloe Moretz's mom, passed away when she was younger. So she kind of almost has this kind of mother-like uh figure with you know along with her teaching her you know has her over to cook and talk and everything like that well just like in the trailer she looks in one of uh greta's pantries and there's all these bags that have certain names on them so it's like this you know thing that she's doing putting these random bags on trains and and having you know doing this to people um and it's really suspenseful and then Every bit, like, I can give my suspension disbelief. Easy. Fine. I love Reign of Fire with Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale. <laughs> they fight dragons. Great movie. I can, I, can, I, can, I can buy that shit. But if you're grounded in that reality with a movie, you can't kind of, you know, take a detour from the reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, and I feel movies sometimes do that with logic. You know, oh, like, like us, like us. Uh, I haven't seen that. So damn it. Why haven't you seen us yet? God damn it. Um, <laughs> I'll see it eventually. Um, so 
there's there's a certain portion that that I can only let so much logic go. Like, you know, like when Scream says, you know, like fucking Sydney Prescott, when she's saying, you know, they should be running out the front door and rather running upstairs, blah, blah, blah. That's that's stuff I understand, because in the heat of the moment, sometimes you may not know what to do. You make a mistake, but it's every bad and wrong decision is made in this movie. To the point where it's frustrating and you're kind of very, very angry. And I feel that that's kind of the general consensus from everybody I've like kind of read about after watching the movie. That's what people are saying. Because it's really good for about 45 minutes. And then it just completely falls apart because of the dumb logic. It's not even that they ignore it. It's just that it's never addressed. Hmm. For, for example, if you... Um, if you had characters that are stuck in a house running around from a killer, if they never mention about someone calling for help with a cell phone, that would make you angry because at least address it, at least say there's no signal, at least say something. And that's something that's never done in this movie as far as like seeking help or doing something that the character should, or they just, blatantly ignore when we know it's there and it's not something where it's like you have to use your head it's just it's common sense isn't so common in this movie and that's what's very frustrating about it especially coming from uh neil jordan because i i feel that a lot of his movies especially kind of in the early 90s um and even in the late 90s his movies are pretty well crafted um yeah. You know, he has crazy characters, but uh, decision making is at least grounded in reality. And I feel that that's something that this film suffers from. And it comes kind of comes out of nowhere and is very, very frustrating movie. But I tell you, it's some of the best acting I've seen in a long ass time uh, as far as like characters. Like it's really fucking good. And it's mainly just Chloe Moretz and. I can't pronounce the older lady's name that plays Greta. I feel bad now, but um, like their relationship in, and in the intimidate, like the, this old older lady is intimidating as shit. Isabel Just Hubbard. Little... Yeah. There you go. Oh, I love her. So um, yeah, she's been a few she, recognizable face, but I, I couldn't like put two and two together, but still she was, uh, she's very, very good. That's the something the film has for it. But I mean, still watch it and then let me know how frustrated you all are <laughs> with the terrible decision making and ignoring facts in life. Nice. So, um, yeah, it kind of ruined it for me. But, <laughs> you know, you can't can't win them all. It's been on my to rent list. All right. Yeah, same here. It's way up there. Um, we need to start wrapping up soon. So um, after I go, then we'll do one more uh, round. One more round, um, and then we'll wrap it up. FYI, everybody. sounds good, Daddy. Um, yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> so the Make movie I want sure to talk about. Sleep. The movie I want to talk about next is uh, this movie I've been wanting to watch for a long time, and I finally uh, grabbed the Blu-ray of it. Um, and of course, it's a manufactured Blu-ray, manufactured MOD. But still, it's okay, uh, that is, I, you know, I'm learning to grow as a human being. Okay. So this stars Nick Thune, uh, the comedian, who I, I actually kind of like, um, directed by Bill Watterson. And it's called Dave Made a Maze. 
And I've been. Oh, I want to see that so, so much. The story goes, uh, girl, uh, the girlfriend comes home to their apartment. Uh, she sees this big cardboard fort built in their living room. And she hears Dave inside the maze. And uh, he's apparently built a maze because once he starts something, he can't stop. And it's all cardboard. And, of course, everyone wants to come see it. A film, they're all in, like, Silver Lake, L.A. area. So there's a lot of kind of L.A., you know, <laughs> actor jokes and things like that. Um, his friend's doing a documentary to document the maze. And uh, so it starts off that, that way. And, of course, they go inside the maze. And, of course, the maze inside is, you know, bigger than the actual room. And they get lost in this labyrinth. Uh, and he's actually built death traps inside and uh, he has to finish the maze in order to break the maze. But the but he, the, it's it's everything's practical. Uh, there's even a scene where they turn into uh, like bat, paper bag puppets for a while. And it's just this wild, crazy, imaginative, short little film. Um, it's like 71 minutes, but it's uh man, it's it's the creativity in this and the visuals are so great and it's funny. And uh, I would recommend you watch it if you have not seen it yet. I think if you're in the UK, I think uh, Arrow put it on Blu-ray there. Um, but um, and it's available, of course, streaming on. I think it's you can watch it for free on Amazon Prime. I think, but um, of course, I had to buy it. But it's wildly imaginative would be my pull quote, and uh, just <laughs> goofy and fun. Reminded me of what I love about kind of these, you know, just goofy films of the '80s like Labyrinth and, th and things like that. I mean, not. Obviously not as, it's obviously poking a lot more, you know, poking more fun at these types of films, but uh, it's funny. The, 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 one of the running gags is, so this guy's directing the documentary. He's like directing, directing a documentary and like he's, he's telling them to always keep rolling. There's one guy carrying the boomstick the whole time, no matter what's happening. And he's like, and the director's like directing the scenes. Even in like they're having natural dialogue, if someone you know got hurt or whatever, I'm not gonna spoil anything because just let the surprises happen. But he's like directing, even though something really serious happened, he's still kind of trying to direct the dialogue, which is a great little bit. So, uh, check it out. Dave made a maze, it's out, it's out now everywhere. My my review is that it's it's okay. <laughs> um, I, I feel that, um, I would have liked this movie better. If it was made in the eighties and had kids, yeah, I can see that. But it, it's it's very creative, and it's. Uh, I was reading about they only had like one room to actually do the cardboard, so they were like ripping down the cardboard, like in yeah. between uh, takes. They would just flip the camera around. Um, it's very clever. I will give it that. But uh, I I was shocked when you said seventy one minutes because I thought it was in. Um, 171 minutes but uh yeah oh, shit. it's it's what? it's a it's a it's a fun it's oh, a fun little man. movie yeah it's definitely worth watching all right um so follow that stephanie Stop. whoa well i did say i was done oh but shit. okay you have, a, you have something else yeah, I'll just throw you a couple little bones real quick. Oh, whoa. So I, took, I took a bunch of notes on that Jane Mansfield documentary, but I I didn't look at them because I'm an idiot. <laughs> and I forgot a really cool 
Okay, you remember how I made the lion connection uh-huh. <laughs> to Roar? There's another huge lion thing. So uh, Anton LaVey had that lion. And um, totally separate, it, nothing that belonged to him. Jane Mansfield took her kids to a habitat to see some lions. And one of her sons got mauled by a lion. Oh, my God. Yeah. So everyone so gets mauled like by the- lions. Yes, it's like this crazy freaking satanic lion cabal. <laughs> and then they like reenacted this whole thing of like her praying to LeVay for her son to live. And her son lived. And then she became um, an avowed Satanist. And then I guess LeVay is credited as a technical advisor on the car. And of course, she yeah. died in the car. So therefore, oh his God. curse is why she died. It is. weird this is the whole thing bonkers but on a lighter note uh john waters the reason he got the idea for his signature mustache was from little richard in the girl can't help it which is a great jane mansfield movie and one of the great technicolor movies of all time and um he said it was a huge influence on divine who he described as jane mansfield meets godzilla (laughs) so i just wanted to throw that in oh And I was at Big Lots, and I randomly saw Monsters vs. Aliens, the CGI kids movie, <clears throat> which I originally saw in the theater for some reason. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'll see it again. I remember liking it, and I loved it. Wow. <laughs> but I don't know. It's like Reese Witherspoon in a kid's kaiju movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know why I wouldn't love it. So, hey, everybody. Go out there and read <laughs> monsters. Yeah, let's do aliens. that. <laughs> it's really good. Okay. And that's what I'm going out on. I'm going okay. out on a DreamWorks CGI <laughs> kids movie. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect. I have kids and they watch it. They like buried that thing to the ground. So I can't watch the thing anymore. Brad? Um, I'm going to go. I don't think we've talked about any older films. No. I saw have we? Uh, I guess you talked about Roar. Talked about Roar. Yeah. Shredder. Laura Boy, I'm forgettable. <laughs> All right. So I watched a um, sex comedy. That I didn't even know it had no idea it existed. Um, so I was kind of shocked. And it has a pretty big, uh, well, two, two, two major stars. Uh, I guess they were kind of major at the time. They've always kind of been in the spotlight. But it's uh, called uh, Some Girls uh, from 1988. Um, has uh, Patrick Dempsey um, as the lead, who's always been charming and pretty much everything that he's was in as a young teen and uh, young man. And then Jennifer Connelly as well. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's it, it's kind of a a. a a wonderful movie at the same time of being kind of a sex comedy. So uh, Patrick Dempsey's character is um, has uh, his, uh, his girlfriend who um, uh, Gabby, I think her name is. So anyways, he is uh, going up to visit her during, um, during holidays for, for, for Christmas and um, basically, when he gets there, it's he's meeting her uh, two sisters, her grandma and her, and her parents. And they live in this like old, crazy fucking house. Um, and her family is very eccentric, very crazy. 
uh, like the dad's an atheist author who walks around naked while writing his books. Um, he, her mom, or her uh, her mom is a big Catholic. Her other sister's a total hornball that tries to fuck everybody. Um, and then her grandmother is uh, kind of in a mental institution as well, and she lives there part time. So as soon as they get up there, she tells Michael that she doesn't, she's not in love with him anymore, doesn't want to be with him. But he can't, he wants to figure out why and try to win her back, so he stays there with the family. Meanwhile, encountering all these, uh, you know, or the crazy family members. Uh, so it's raunchy in the sense of, like, you know, the, the, the one sister walks around naked, she's trying to screw everybody. Um, there's a lot of, like, sexy time in, in the movie. But then it really dives down into, like the needs and wants for a human kind of like um we used to say like uh uh the you, you yeah i would say the the, the kind of the wants and needs like you, you want something but that's may not what you need you need something but that's may not what you want that type of thing um and about Michael dealing with the rejection as well as uh, kind of dealing. They're not telling the family about the breakup. So he's becoming closer with the family, having conversations. And and one of the huge little side stories, this um, is that the grandmother looks at Michael, uh, who's the Patrick Dempsey character, and she sees her old uh husband so she thinks that her husband is back uh, back uh, not back from the dead but has never left and is just a young man visiting her so she starts to fall in love with michael on the side which is very funny at first but it really truly has this amazing turnaround of uh characters and development as far as um human being a human being and understanding each other and who we really are it gets really fucking deep is what i'm trying to say like i'm I'm sitting there like thinking oh yeah fun funny sex comedy this is funny and all of a sudden the next thing i got tears in my eyes from these (laughs) conversations these people are having so it completely does a a total fucking 180 on you Um, does it kind of like say anything in that way uh no it's a little bit deeper but i i mean it's not a bad comparison because that movie does take a turn but uh that it say anything moves too fast like you know there's there's one moment where lloyd is at a party with eric stoltz and um was it eric stoltz party or is it jeremy piven i can't really remember and he moves glass for her she's moving away then the dot father's in cuffs and then he he's visiting lloyd is visiting him in prison like all that happens in a span of fucking like 45 minutes and if say anything is a great movie but it moves way too quickly Hmm. this movie takes over a course of like three days um and it's it, it really has a very good emotional human connection with all the characters and also being so different and you have characters that are closed off and then you have characters that are free 
And then you have characters who may seem like they're crazy, but, um, you know, back, you know, underneath that crazy, so-called crazy is that it's still a human being and they still have wants and needs and feelings. Um, so the, it really gets, it's a truly wonderful movie. Um, but it's kind of off-putting because it's a sex comedy at first. Huh. But then it really has this beautiful story underlining it. And man, if you don't cry during one scene of this movie, you're not fucking human. All right. I need to see this. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, it's called Some Girls. It's on Voodoo to rent. Um, it's also on Amazon Prime, I think, for free. Um, so obviously everybody's going to do that. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a truly wonderful. So that's that should be your night for this weekend. All right. So Very nice. All right, I'm gonna blast through a few things and then we will uh we will say goodnight. So um do it, bro. Quick, quick ones. These are new ones. So I finally watched Suspiria, the remake. Uh it's fantastic. It does exactly what a remake should do, as in reinvent, remake the film and be its own thing. Uh amazing performances, amazing visuals, uh the music's great. I loved it. I love it, like really, really, really loved it. So good. Um, I was about right. to say something. Uh Jordan Peele's Us, really well done film, creative. For me, didn't stick the landing. Um, it its logic kind of gets untied uh, and unravels towards the end. Still untethered. very solid, untethered. Uh, still a very, still a very uh, you know untangled Jordan, is something you probably wanted it to do. Untangled. Um, still, Jordan Peele is showing us that he's a very uh is, is a fantastic addition to uh the horror genre and uh you know i loved it i just just like get like get out has uh, i don't want to spoil anything but get out kind of has its own logic and kind of nightmare logic it, it runs by same thing with us which you know if you i guess if you if you don't, if you approach us that way it's fine i just kind of overanalyze things uh but it's, it kind of fell apart near the end but still wonderful film uh let's see i think it's i think it's all i got oh 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 shit uh happy death day to you uh yeah one of the best sequels ever um it takes the premise of happy death day flips it on on its head adds to it without uh being repetitive and they actually play with that at the beginning you think uh, they're oh it's gonna be the same thing with a different character nope multiverse uh, so it's great. Um, watch Happy Death Day to you. Yeah, really, really, I, I really love fun. it. Really fun. Um, and what's fun is like, we, uh, my wife likes Happy Death Day, so I was able to sit down with my wife and my daughter, and we all watched Happy Death Day to you, and we had a blast. So um, good. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Wow, that was that was quick. We should do that with more movies. <laughs> all right. Well. Um, I think it's going to do it for this uh, this second episode of the Screamcast, and uh, we'll we'll try to do this more often, everybody, as my schedule starts kind of getting more and more manageable. But um, where can everyone find you guys on social media if you would like them to find you? Fucking serious. <laughs> Brad's doesn't do Twitter anymore. You're not. You just you just don't even go. I mean, I say things. I don't really scroll and listen to all this bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, he won't listen to you, but you right, can listen right, right. to him. 
all right. So, uh, Stephanie, you're 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 on a bunch of podcasts and stuff. What's going on? Plug your yeah. plug, plug the stuff. Plug what you're involved with. Just the discs. I don't know. Just the discs. Yeah. Um, Tales from the Crypt stuff still going. Yep. Still. I uh, just I just started writing about the last season though. Yes. So the finish line is looming. On you that got one. John Kassir to say your name. Or no, who did? I know. Uh, who, he who, gave who did that for you? Shout out. Who? Who? What? Who was? Was it Jonathan Barkin? Was he? Yeah, he saw him at a convention it's and Barkon. he just Barkon. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Nah, sorry, John. <laughs> that is my bad. Um, yeah, got, recorded them. That was really cool. That was great. That was fantastic. Yeah, awesome. I'm just scrawfish on Twitter, and yeah, you'll see everything. All right. And it's the usual. I'm boring. You're not Thank boring. You. <laughs> I missed you guys. I'm I'm glad we yeah. did this. Yeah, I'm happy it worked out too. I hope we pick it back up. We will. You're one of the sure. only people that I read, Stephanie. <clears throat> yep. You and like yeah. five others. By all means, scream the screamcast is not uh on its deathbed at all. I just needed to kind of get in the groove and it's starting to happen. So um you can follow me on Twitter, Sean C. DeRager. If you would like a free audiobook, I probably have codes, so just hit me up if you want to hear my shit. If you don't, that's fine. Um, just, you know, I don't know. Don't be mean to Mongoose, um, okay? The Fetishists is one, if you're a fan, if, if you like horror, uh, The Fetishists is worth uh, checking out. I am narrating Isaac Thorne's uh, The Gordon Place. Um, that's next on my list to work on. I'm very excited to work on Isaac Thorne's stuff. Um, and then I have, I'm going to be narrating a Gary Bradner novel um, called The Brain Eaters. So... I'm, I'm getting my own. I get to do a paperback from hell, which is fantastic. And that may lead to more <laughs> Gary Bradner stuff. Um, I think carry on, carry on, carry on is uh, on the list for me to do as well. So I got some horror stuff to narrate um, if you guys are interested. So, so yeah, that's it. Anything else, anybody? No, that's it. No. All right. Well, all of you guys have a great, uh, rest of the whatever and we'll talk to you next time bye 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 oh don't tell me you're leaving the party's just begun